Gaming History 101. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Gaming History 101, the Retro Video Games Podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Fred Rojas, and joining me today from Stockholm, Sweden, is none other than my partner in crime, Mr. Jam Elias. How are you doing, sir? Ah, it's a pleasure to be here, as always, Fred. You cold out there? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit nippy, you know, up in these, but, but the food is good over oh, in Sweden. Yes, yes, I've, I've heard many things. Unfortunately, They're I have great not... great furniture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, I've, I've seen some healthy boys and girls coming out of Stockholm, so, uh, you know, that doesn't surprise me, but, uh. And great um, haircuts. Yeah. I got yeah. to it done today, in fact. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, why do you suck so bad, Wi-Fi? All right, anyway, um. <laughs> I love that five minutes. We're talking about me already. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. <laughs> um, all right, well, uh, the reason I bring that up is today in history, um, was uh today's release is the release of actually two major properties one of those being um rainbow six siege and the other one being just cause three um so given the circumstances uh today's episode is going to be we're going to open up with a little bit of history about avalanche studios they've got a fun little history and uh then we're going to wrap up with um of course uh a long discussion i'm guessing about the rainbow six franchise so that's what we're going to be up to. But before we do that, oh, Mr. Yeah. Jam, we have a we couple have a of uh, fun items, including uh, this week's sponsor. Do we have a sponsor this week? We do have a sponsor this week, which I'll actually announce for a change because I think you've done the last few. So, um, so our sponsor this week is the is the Woman Up All Female Podcast uh, featuring Sarah the Rebel and Oktrina. I hope I said those okay. Um, this podcast is basically just kind of geek culture, but an all-female cast, really. Mm. And this is live on all games on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, it is. So definitely uh, check that out. Uh, it's, it's a good show. It's a very mm. good show. So uh, highly recommended. Um, also, we had some uh, listener feedback this week on last week's show. And it came to us from, oh, God damn it. Came, <laughs> came to us on Facebook. Sorry, it's n- I'm having issues with the Facebook feed. So I can try it out. There we go. There we go. Sorry, no, I was just on the, I was just on the wrong spot on our Facebook feed. All right, and this uh, here we go. We are live. Yes, <laughs> this comes to us from uh, Chase, who uh, writes into our uh, episode from last week, short but sweet. He says, "Enjoy the show, guys." Um, wasn't sure as to the framework for a short but sweet show. Um, oh, wasn't uh, <laughs> as to the framework for short but sweet was so loose for this episode. I was really surprised that your favorite fighters didn't come up. Any iteration yeah. of Street Fighter Two was a very quick play, simple, mecha- simple, simply by mechanics and design of the single player story mode. Great and fast games with huge replay value. Regardless, some very nice memories and interesting opinions shared. Hope you start feeling better, Fred. Well, I feel better. I might not sound it, but I am back. <laughs> in full health so to speak um but thank you very much chase so yeah jam do you have a fighting game fighting games were like the quintessential short campaign 
Um, actually, I was going to say, I actually did have fighting games on my list. It's just there's so many games to talk about, we just don't get to all of them. So what's your um, one? What's your one fighting game that you like to see to completion? Probably Mortal Kombat on the Mega Drive, actually. I know oh, that's quite a, you know, not the most interesting choice. Um, but there was a game that, uh, you know, because that's the thing with fighting games is that even though they're short, um, some of those games are really, really difficult. Like Mortal Kombat 2 might have been an obvious choice, but it actually takes me a long time to complete that just because of how difficult that sort of roster is getting through all those characters. But the first one on Mega Drive, even on like a standard difficulty, is quite an easy um, mm. game to just whip through. But how about yourself, Fred? Yeah, um... I kind of want to say Street Fighter, mm-hmm. um, Street Fighter Two specifically. If you've ever played through the World Warriors, um, which is the original version of yeah. Street Fighter Two, uh, you'd be surprised as to how diverse and interesting their uh, their endings are. Mm. Uh, most notably, is I think I think it's Ken. Ken finds his wife, which is like a leftover small piece of plot from the original. Street Fighter 1, um, which Ken doesn't have much of a plot. He's just yeah. kind of the second player you fight against. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. But I like that one, and I'd probably say coming in a close second was uh, – um, oh, was the endings for uh, Soul Blade. Have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever finished that one? It's the uh, precursor to Soul Calibur. Yeah, there. I've Fucking batshit insane plot know, yeah. lines, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that won't take you a while too, but yeah, that one's pretty crazy as well. So Soul Calibur is a really quick one. That's a quick fighting game to just go through. Oh yeah, any of them too. Like yeah. if you just are walking by and you see Soul Calibur four, and you're like, I have a PS3 and I'd like Darth Vader. Like just pick it up. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, once you get over the fact that Darth Vader's in it and uh, there's a chick with a thong, uh, Ivy, uh, yeah. then you can get back to appreciating what that game really is. Which is a crazy button mashy weapon based uh, melee combat game, but uh, yeah, I've always liked uh, Soul Calibur. Uh, although none hold up to the first, the first was the best. Uh, Soul Blade had the craziest storylines, but Soul Calibur was the best uh, fighting game of that series. Perfection there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Looks um, so gorgeous on the VGA box on a mm. Dreamcast. <laughs> and that Xbox port is actually pretty nice for 720p as well. Yeah. So. The one other I'll throw out into the mix, though, is um, funny enough, Dead or Alive 2, actually, which is also on Dreamcast, and um, PlayStation 2. That was a, that really, just, you fly through the campaigns in that. And the best part about that is the little story bits they shove in there, like, which is quite typical for the 3D fighting games at the time. It's just so, they're all just short and sweet. It's basically like, hey, you, let's fight. And it's, right. just, round, it's just round one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, they no longer set up something fun, right? Like, yeah. where... Where you just happen to be like, I don't know, beating up someone's car at a car wash and all of a sudden you end up fighting like the mayor. Like they don't do fun stuff like that anymore. But, no. uh, anyway. how, how gaming has changed. Oh my God. Um, but yes, yes, very much so. So uh, Last thing I would say briefly, because I was going to say this um, when we mentioned about, I'm actually generally surprised, Fred, and this is going into your B-team podcast, that Rainbow Six Siege was actually released. I didn't know this was coming out. That, wait, what was? Um, Rainbow Six Siege. Oh yeah, it right. Came out the well because the beta got delayed and all that stuff, yeah. but it was delayed for like three hours. But yeah, I don't think I think we're gonna find out later in time. And we'll we'll kind of learn a little bit about this where companies come out and 
sometimes they talk about development and sometimes they don't. Ubisoft has been pretty good, like especially when they talked about yeah. Unity and whatnot of uh, you know what what kind of went wrong with development. I think we're gonna find out that I mean Rainbow Six has had a pretty sordid past um, since Vegas, uh, which was the last real release, uh, which we'll talk about. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, I think we'll find out that there was some stuff missing there. I, I on the flip side they'll probably make good with it and there's a decent amount of content there but much like people criticize with battlefront it's kind of bare bones Mm -hmm. so um you know i've played through the beta and the alpha but uh i haven't played the the core game um we'll see it just it just really didn't hold me but we are not here to talk about new games um what we are going to talk about though uh before we jump into our topic today is uh we have a game club coming up this weekend Mm -hmm. Mr. Andy Urquhart from 42 Level 1 is going to join us, and we are going to record the Tomb Raider slash Tomb Raider Anniversary Game Club. So mm-hmm. that is coming up. I am frantically trying to get videos live, guys. Hang in there with me. Um, I think everything will be up by tomorrow, if not Thursday. So just watch for it. Um, but those are going live. Uh, they t- 1080p videos take a long time to render like four to six hours per video so that's what's really killing it is i just need to have time where i can let a a computer run for four to six hours where i'm going to be home and that's not always happening but uh, i will get those live um but we have our final game club of this year to announce Mm -hmm. and jam i think it only appropriate that you (laughs) announce it so what is going to be our final game club this year so the final game club of this year is um, Jade Empire, which was released on the original Xbox, which is the version I'll be playing through. But it is available on um, PC as well. Um, good yeah. old game. I think it's only on Good Old Games, or is it on Steam as well? Do you know? Or... It might be. GOG definitely has. GOG is the... only six dollars, so it's pretty cheap. Well, and GOG has the Windows Seven, Eight, and yeah. Ten compatible version so mm. you can do it that way I think it's backwards compatible on Xbox. I believe it is as well. So... Yeah. Um, the P- it depends what you want to go for because there's not really it, there's there's a standard version and if you get the PC version you automatically get the upgraded to the special edition version which has one character that's not featured in the standard one it doesn't make any difference it's not like any sort of DLC it's just a you know an extra character that's it it won't affect the story or have any and sort you of don't get the ninety minute making of documentary which I did get with my special edition yeah yeah, I've got um, that, yeah. I know I promised the world and don't actually make good with it <laughs> on this one I will um, basically around Christmas time I'm going to to uh drop that um so and jam's going to remind me uh (laughs) so i will watch that because hopefully i'll be done with it by then i am starting it uh tomorrow night i think so i tried to start it today but somebody stole the tv for the rest of the year yeah i heard i heard you dig out my other tv you're dealing (laughs) with a new child in the house so uh (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh so yes yes we've got that and um and and uh, before we go any further, I did want to point out, I tweeted about it, but if you guys look for it, the fan translation for the Sega Ages version of Fantasy Star 2 has finally released. And much like the fan translation for the original one, it does have the game ISO included. So somehow they've locked down... Oh, Simon Belmont says Jade yeah, Empire said, Special yeah. Edition is free now on Origin. So there you go. Yeah, if yeah. you have a PC... <laughs> 
go get it. <laughs> so th- or just go get it anyway. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't know how to tell you this, guys. But I didn't even tell Jam this. I I, I called up my boy over at EA, um, <laughs> you know uh, Peter Moore, and I was like, "You got to make this shit free for our game club." So you're welcome. We've uh, we figured that out. But uh, mm-hmm. thank you, Simon Belmont, for letting us know, and welcome to the show. Um, actually. Yeah, before we move forward. But anyway, so that Sega Ages version of Fantasy Star 2 is out. So you know I'm going to be pushing for a Fantasy Star 2 um, probably in spring. I okay. don't know if we should back-to-back the RPGs. but uh, Jesus, yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, there we go. So, uh, I did want to um, grow a beard again. So. Yeah, right? Uh, and, uh, and while we're at it, yeah, when I say thank you, Simon Belmont, and he's clearly not on the show proper, the reason I say that is because we are live on allgames.com every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Come join us in the chat. Talk with people. Shit will be fun. Um, all right. And um, uh, there was one other thing. Oh, yeah. So for better or worse... I think I'm going to start Wednesday nights, probably around 11 p.m., maybe 11.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, starting to do um, another live stream like I did with Shenmue, this time starting near. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I think I'm going to start near. Yeah, I think it's going to take a long time because I'm going to just do it like probably once, maybe twice a week. But I'm going to give it a good two, three hours. So, uh, you can quite easily dip in and out of that game as well. Good. I'm going to have to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, um, chat's having some fun, especially yeah. Fortin Guard with the Peter Moore stuff. So, um, But uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, um, if you guys want to check that out, we don't use it very often, but twitch.tv forward slash GH101. I will uh, start streaming that uh, tomorrow night, it looks like. So Wednesday night. So there you go. But of course, we poured it all over to YouTube. So it's going to be there. Uh, if you if you can't make the live show but uh anyway all right jam are you ready to and then yeah of course i'll talk about near and stuff um are you ready to talk a little bit about uh avalanche and rainbow six absolutely all right so do you know much about avalanche studios are you a huge fan of them or anything like that prior to today's show well, Avalanche is there. I'm actually yes, I I can I do like Avalanche. I wouldn't say I'm a massive fan of them, although there is one game that they released, which I guess we'll get onto later, which I was quite fond of, called Renegade Ops, which was an oh, Xbox Live. Oh, the Hunter, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I did. I mean, they, they, they're 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 an interesting studio, absolutely. Um, and I'm but um, their their main sort of claim to fame is the Just Cause games. Um, yes, I would I would say that's true. I would say um, that's their probably their bread and butter, mm-hmm. um, and especially on day like today. today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and and again, actually, I think this will probably be the best place to hash it out because I don't want to go too much. We're not going to talk much about Renegade Ops, Mad Max, Just yeah. Cause Three, or I don't know if you know this, Jam, but they're uh, in charge of the airship sequences for Final Fantasy Fifteen, which is yeah, kind yeah, of an interesting that, yeah. concept. Um, is there anything you want to mention about Renegade Ops? Because I'm going to mention a couple of things about Mad Max, but that we'll we'll get the new stuff out of the way and then uh, shit hey. out the rest. Yeah, sure. I mean, Renegade Ops to me is is quite a you know underrated kind of gem that a lot it kind of flew over the radar for a lot of people because it was just a download game um it was it's supposed to be people consider this a spiritual successor to the desert strike you'll always get those games on the mega drive mm-hmm. but i yep. disagree when okay. I played them, i'd say they're more kind of twin stick shooter vehicle combat games um it makes they're very arcadey really 
Um, but they're just a ton of fun. This, this, sorry, this game, Renegade Ops, is a ton of fun uh, to play. It's uh, very underrated. It usually, especially with these old generation consoles now, the 360 and the PlayStation Network, the game usually is in sales quite regularly. I, I, I'm guessing it's on PC as well, <laughs> on um, Steam or something. But that's just a guess. But probably. But it's definitely worth picking up if people are looking for just a you know a fun sort of action shooter. And uh, I'm pretty sure it features the guy that it was well, at least a guy. Sounds like he's the voice of Tony the Tiger as well, which I thought was quite amusing. So. Oh, is he always just running around like they're great? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. That's what. Well, yeah, it's not like it's not like that, but it's just that. Just being, <laughs> is that the guy who does the serial advert? So. God, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and for me, for Mad Max. Um, so here's the thing. So yeah. Avalanche Studios, as we'll get into, uh, is predominantly a studio for and about um, open world games. Like that is how they roll. And um, the problem with that, or the potential problem with that, is that when you make a Mad Max game, um, Mad Max has always been kind of a boring setting, in my opinion, with an interesting character and plot. Well, uh, you know, again, as we'll get into it, Just Cause, it's, it's not the story missions that you're probably playing Just Cause for. And you might like Rico, but you probably don't love Rico. And so what are you left with? You're left with a game that is mostly about a world that people don't really like with Mad Max. Now, what I will say is I think they did quite a good job with it. I rather enjoyed my playthrough of Mad Max. I might someday play through it again. Oh, yeah. um, or at least try to 100% it. There is so much shit in that game. I finished I with like 40% done. Um, and I put like 30 hours into it. Um, but... Uh, but it also came out during all the MGS5 shit and uh, hype, yeah. sorry. And whether or not time is kind to MGS5, I've honestly not finished it or yeah. even really played it myself. <laughs> we'll see. But um, it's a powerhouse that Avalanche had no chance of competing against. Yeah, um, but you should also remember that it's contract work. Warner Brothers hired them. And that's a big thing to remember about the difference between a publisher and a developer. That was Warner's cross to bear. Now, the downside is if they did it really well, and I guess it did sell pretty well. Um, if it sells pretty well, you know, then they might get called in to do the sequel and that's more contract work for them. But at the same time, it's not, they don't get, uh, you know, they don't get nailed um, for like avalanche doesn't shut shutter their doors if mad max doesn't succeed they got paid to make it so anyway um with that in mind and uh just cause 3 i've purchased but uh it's it's 54 gigs on pc so I imagine I'm, that game and i want crazy. it on an on my ssd so it's a daunting task for me to bring that on board right now so i'm just <laughs> shuffling it to the back burner but anyway Back to retro stuff. Avalanche Studios actually has a very interesting story as to how they were founded and kind of the development of Just Cause. So I think we're going to get into that. Um, Jam, why don't we do this uh, based off of alternating bullet points like we've done in the past? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so in order to talk about Avalanche Studios, you've got to go all the way back to 1995 and the founding of a studio by the name of Paradox Development Studio in Stockholm, Sweden. We should point out Avalanche and all of its kind of companies we'll talk about here that are involved in it. Um, this is all Swedish-based, which there's a cool little development team out there in Sweden. So, um, And not just limited to Avalanche, but anyway. 
Um, so anyway, Paradox Development Studio was founded um, to team up with Swedish board game developer Target Games and create video game versions of board games. Ultimately, Paradox Development Studio, though, becomes best known for large-scale strategy games. So, um, and give me one sec, because I wanted to mention hey. a couple of them. Um, I'm sure fans of the development studio is very aware of what they made. But uh, a lot of their stuff is like Crusader Kings, Hearts of Iron, um, Europa, uh, Europa Universalis, specifically. Um, are you familiar with any of these, Jam? Are you a big... No, unfortunately, no. Okay. It sounds what... interesting, though, yeah. Well, what I know of them are they are strategy games where you, like, involve yeah. the whole world, you mm. know? And so um, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, Advance Wars where, or even Civilization where it's, like, two yeah. major co- countries going to battle. It's, like, wor- grand world politics and balancing all that stuff or, or whatnot. So, anyway... But, uh, but with that in mind, um, that's kind of their roots. Yeah. So, so in um, 1999, the company splits into two entities. They split into Paradox Interactive, who specialized in the strategy titles, and Paradox Entertainment, who specialized in the board games and the RPGs. So Paradox Interactive focused more on the strategy and publishing, while Paradox Entertainment is better known for a strong focus on gaming as a whole. Right, right. And with that in mind, um, uh, again, Paradox Entertainment Mm. um, made some interesting things, uh, but yeah, they, I I don't know, they didn't get a whole lot of traction, I guess I would say, although they, and I think they did eventually disband and went full-blown board games. But anyway, Mm -hmm. this matters, all of this only matters because... Christopher uh, Christopher Sundberg and Linus Blomberg, man, are those some... (laughs) Kind of Swedish ass name. Very Swedish. Yeah. I mean, they're not as cool as like Dolph Lundgren, but like they're up there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> two employees of Paradox Entertainment uh, left the company to form Rock Solid Studios. Now, in case you're checking Wikipedia, I don't think you're going to find much on Rock Solid Studios. I had to do a little bit of digging for for information on them. But anyway, uh, this new company was dedicated to making video games and video game engines and tech. Um, And the reason I want to point this out is Avalanche always focuses as heavily on its engine as it does and its game tech as it does on its games, which some can say is a detriment. Um, We'll get there when we talk about Just Cause. Um, But others can say is a strength. Um, For me, I just think it's an interesting way to look at things, right? Like, you're only as strong as the skeleton that makes you. Yeah. Um, And, you know, famously, DICE is a company well-known for this, right? The Frostbite engine is hand-in-hand with their creations, including, you know, mostly Battlefield. So They use a DICE engine for the Battlefront game. Oh, no, sorry, the Frostbite engine, sorry. Frostbite sorry. engine is actually oh, yeah. the official engine of EA now. I'm not kidding. Oh, really? Oh, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know <laughs> but, it's used uh, in Dragon Age, yeah. But yes, it was used in Dragon Age. It was used in Battlefront by DICE. Um, and it was also, uh, it is also used, uh, I think it was used in both iterations of Mirror's Edge, also by DICE. Oh. So DICE doesn't just stick to Battlefront, but, mm. or Battlefield. So anyway, <clears throat> so yes. So what? Yeah, so uh, Rock Solid Studios uh, got initial attention in, inside the industry for developing the RRS Tech, which is a, is a, did I say that right? Is, or is it? Uh, RRS Tech, yeah, you yeah. got it. 
um, which is a graphics engine for PC and consoles. So PS2, uh, the original Xbox. I, I keep having to say the original Xbox now because I keep I used to actually say Xbox One and GameCube. Um, <laughs> Uh, this so this it's now like, OG and X Bone. There we <laughs> that's go. Yeah, what I'll, that's what I'll say in the future now. OG. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. So this take utilized an advanced hybrid uh, procedural geometry system. That's in create- quotes. That's straight off the <laughs> box. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> but um, for creating environments, including landscapes. Um, the tech was a key to development for uh, of key development of Codemasters and Dragon Empires titles. That's interesting. So. Yeah, and I have you. I, I'm not familiar with Dragon Empires. Like, I know what it is, but hmm. uh, I'm not familiar with. You know, I mean, it's an MMO. I know that. Um, and Codemasters obviously did it, so it's in your backyard. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what's interesting because it's Codemasters. Yeah. Well, and it's it's known for having a shitload of locations, so it doesn't shock me that obviously this engine that allows you to make procedural you know areas <laughs> is is used by this uh by this thing so also fortinguard says just to jump back to paradox he says uh, i know enough about paradox's x4 grand strategy games to know that i'm not meant for them all they're amazing and ridiculous because they're the most hardcore thing but it's daunting as hell that's saying a lot coming from fortinguard because <laughs> he tends to dive headfirst into shit that intimidates the shit out of me so but anyway um, yeah, so Rock Solid Studios, I mean, yeah, so their first thing is is tech, is an engine. So it's kind of cool, obviously, uh, busting their chops. Um, of course, I uh, <laughs> know Rock Solid Studios only because of this. Like, this is the first thing that came to mind because I, I believe I remember this when Avalanche was formed. I was like, weren't they known for that Tremors game? So, Jam, <laughs> are you familiar with the story behind the Tremors video game? Actually, I'm not. Okay, it so this, awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, and the story is probably better than the game ever would have been. But yeah. hear me out on this, okay? So, <laughs> Rock Solid Games gets the most public attention because shortly after E3 in 2002, um, in August, they announced that they are developing a Tremors video game with Conspiracy Entertainment as the publisher. Uh, that is Vivendi. That is yeah. subsidiary of Vivendi, um, who would later kind of blend into Activision, then sell themselves uh, sell their touch and activision off and now aren't they trying to strong arm their way into ubisoft i think i've heard that yeah it's a little inside baseball in the industry but yeah that's kind of where they're at <laughs> mm. but anyway vivendi is an interesting group but they are responsible for publishing most of the sierra games around this time mm-hmm. uh including one of my favorite the hobbit incredible journey uh-huh. <clears throat> whole videos on youtube anyway um but uh yeah so, so go check them out but anyway uh so the game was supposed to take place in golden rock which is the desert community of for which the films take place and it was going to be a third person title for the playstation 2 xbox gamecube and pc so they're definitely covering their bases um with this now jam are you familiar with and or appreciate tremors absolutely <laughs> the okay. films yeah yes the films so for those that aren't equipped with this i want to go into it a little bit but the first movie which is fan fucking tastic stars awesome. kevin bacon <laughs> yeah. um amidst other uh, great people including i think pat morita's in it isn't he i think so yeah 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 who is mr miyagi in case people don't know but uh basically it's this small little village um 
And this hot little chick comes out to record seismic activity and they discover these creatures underground called graboids. Mm-hmm. This is a very well um, named creature. Uh, this comes from the same minds that probably brought us unobtainium. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, and these creatures are like huge hulking monsters that live underground and they have like tongues that are a little like, you know, straight out of kind of like tentacle porn. They're just very yep. long eyeless sniffer things that have teeth and they'll basically detect you walking around on the ground and come up from underneath you and grab you. But they also grab people out of choice places like basements. Um, yep. <laughs> and uh, if you're crazy enough, they can pop you right off the top of a roof. So um, the first film is is quite good. Have you seen it, Jim? Yeah, uh, obviously I've, I've got it in my collection somewhere. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's very much a cult like B-movie style classic, really. It's a 1995 gem of a film. It is, yeah. If for no other reason to hear Kevin Bacon's kind of old... Kevin Bacon had a phase where... It's kind of like the Nick Cage, like, woo, kind of phase, yeah. <laughs> like where he had just kind of like a more gruff voice. He's not like soft-spoken like he is now. And he has it in full force in this one. And I just remember just like many lines kind of like, could you shut up? And he's doing this weird kind of South Texas accent. It's, it's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good, but apparently he's rumored to be doing another Tremors film, which is bizarre. I mean, it spanned a TV show and five sequels (laughs) or four sequels. And he's he's working on the sixth one, but yeah, there's a lot of shitty sequels and they're all great. Uh, But the first one is probably the gem. Um, if you're going to go see your cult film, um, and, uh, Oh, Tiger Claw says it's going to become, okay, there you go. Um, and Fortingard says the Graboids are just baby versions of the sandworms from doom. Don't even pretend that's so true, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anyway, it's fun. Um, and just as a sneak peek, not to spoil too much in the film, but there is a fantastic scene where, uh, of the people who get attacked, there it's like this small town that kind of bands together and there are gun nuts that have like a bomb shelter that's concrete plated so the graboids have a hard time getting to them in their uh in their basement and there is a scene where it tries to get through and it finally breaks through the concrete and they blast it straight up in the face with a fucking elephant gun and it's just wonderful um there is definitely raining of blood and guts in this film. And yet somehow in 1995, it's, it manages to escape by with a PG-13 rating. So <laughs> it's a good time for cult films. <laughs> anyway, um, and many people uh, very clearly. Say, yeah, we call <laughs> yeah, Andy's talking about uh, how him and his brother used to play Tremors. That's another thing. If you were a kid back then, and I was, like I was about, what, 12 years old when Tremors came out. It was... <laughs> Yeah, it was great because it was like playing lava, right? You know, where you yeah. jump from couch to couch. You'd pretend the tremors were there and the graboids would grab you and whatnot. But anyway. Oh, how we were corrupt as youngsters. <laughs> so, yeah, this is why I have such a love for the uh, this conspiracy entertainment published Rock Solid Studios game. Also, like with the idea of um, their landscape in mind, who knows? Maybe it's what became Mad Max. But anyway... Uh, much of the game's development is hidden behind red tape. Uh, Vivendi likes to cover its bases when it shuts these things down. But basically, it was going to be a hybrid action survival horror title. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> it was going to be single player, but uh, apparently it was open world, go anywhere. Um, you were obviously battling graboids, but various uh, creatures from the first two films were involved. 
Um, and uh, the combat was supposed to be predominantly melee. Uh, and also, some people in the chat are talking about it. The TV series actually already existed, and it did when this was in development, I believe. Okay. Um, but, uh, and uh, obviously the focus was also interesting ways to stay off the ground and prevent your seismic activity from being detected by the Graboids mm-hmm. and various other enemies. Um, and uh, you might have been able to switch between, you were your own character and it was a unique plot, but you might have been able to switch between or work with various characters. Um, obviously, they probably weren't going to get Pat Morita, who I think had passed by this point, um, or Kevin Bacon. But they could have had some of the others. There are certain characters that have made it through all the Tremors movies, so mm-hmm. <laughs> they could have brought them in. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah. Um, unfortunately, the game was slated for a fall 2003 release. It was canceled suddenly in the summer of 2003 um, with very little offered in terms of explanation or details afterwards. Now, I can tell you from my adventures talking to various members involved in the development of Condemned Criminal Origins that um, those that work for um, Warner Brothers right now, because Monolith and Warner Brothers have kind of blended into one entity, even though they are probably still divided buildings... They don't really want to talk about Condemned right now. Um, and it could have been a combination of how small the site is and the fact that it didn't promote anything. And WB, I don't know if you know, but WB and specifically Monolith have some games to push right now, especially with uh, Monolith it, it being an off year for them. And I'm guessing we will see something from Shadow of Mordor soon. But various members of uh, the team that are no longer with um, uh, 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 uh Warner Brothers or Monolith anymore uh, were actually kind enough to reach out. Now, granted, they told me that they can't tell me anything because, you know, that's kind of some of the rules once you leave a project is that, especially with what I wanted to know, which was kind of what was that project really supposed to be and what were some of the challenges. Um, They don't really have PR protection on that. And so they said, would love to tell you, but really it's, there's nothing good that can come from me having that interview, you know? Mm. And lately I think we've seen that um, any, any sort of, especially on small sites like this, if that goes viral and they say something damning, um, it can really screw with these people. And I do want our developers to have success. So that kind of sucks because as we're learning, like with lost treasures of gaming, you're left to either get people who have been out of the industry for long enough that like Atari and Activision classic aren't going to go after them. Or people like the most recent Lost Treasures of Gaming, which I'll be doing this coming up week uh, for American McGee's Alice. It has to be a guy who owns his own fucking studio, so he'll talk to you about it. But uh, um, but yeah, so it sucks. We probably won't get the true story about Condemned, but they've been very polite to me, Warner Brothers, and maybe I'll get really lucky someday. But anyway, that's why we probably won't find out any more about Tremors. This is just what we knew, um, you know... Uh, it really just points out what we knew. Oh, also, um, people are talking about Vince Russo. So, <laughs> um, great actor as well. But anyway, so yeah, so that's the story of the Tremors game, a game you probably didn't know. What I did think was offensive was that the Tremors game, I don't think they have this much information in it, but the Tremors game has a Wikipedia page and Rock oh, Solid really? Studios does not. That's a fucking crime. <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> you need to get into Wikipedia and start adding stuff. But uh, anyway, because um, Gaming History 101 doesn't have a page, although I don't think ethically or 
even correctly, I can create it myself. So uh, no pressure, guys. But if you guys want to hook <laughs> us up, you know, that's one way you could you could help us out. But anyway. All right, Jim, you're up. I was Sorry. Say, well, maybe Rock Solid Games doesn't have a Wikipedia page because Rock Solid <laughs> Games eventually had to shutter its doors based on a failed acquisition. Apparently, Starbreeze took interest in the company and attempted to purchase it and absorb the team into its own, which is obviously quite a common practice. Mm-hmm. Um, the deal stretched into the summer when it um, suddenly fell through. Uh, Starbreeze pulled out, another common practice as well yep. with game developers. <laughs> um, in conjunction with the cancellation of Tremors, uh, they quickly let uh, and quickly led to the studio's closure due to lack of funds. Um, bankruptcy left uh, Sunberg and Bloomberg broke and unemployed. Um, however, they had already founded. Oh, sorry, just got to turn the page. <laughs> already oh, found, <laughs> they've already founded the company Avalanche Studios, um, and in the fall of 2003, with a small team of six employees, Avalanche was born. Um, in an interview this year, Sunberg finally admitted that Avalanche was formed during um, a time um, extre- of extreme chaos for himself, and that the whole closure of rock solid games was trusting the wrong people. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, maybe Sunberg and Blomberg have a story to tell us about Starbreeze. I love mm. the developer, but, uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently they, uh, probably made some promises that, uh, that taught, uh, you know, these two, some lessons that they brought forward with them, especially because it was this year that he made that statement. Yeah. I get the impression that maybe maybe we'll hear more of a story when they've maybe retired from the game industry. We'll, we'll see. You know, it's, it's yet to be sort of Yeah, Sunberg strikes me as the kind of guy who, if Starbreeze ever closes or something like that, yeah, I will be the first to call him up and say, hey, can we talk <laughs> yeah. about the whole Starbreeze Rock Solid Studios thing? In fact, since he's the studio head, mm. I may reach out to Avalanche. They may talk to us. Well, for sure. That would be interesting. So, yeah, I yeah. need to start reaching out to these developers and seeing what I can see. Anyway, um, yes, also, little correction from earlier. Uh, this is what I get for uh, not looking stuff up when, when I talk about it. I was reading the chat where they were talking about Vince Russo, um, thinking this was still in reference to Tremors because it was surrounded by Tremors stuff. But it's actually a wrestling reference, so okay. disregard <laughs> that. And clearly I've pointed out that I know nothing about fucking wrestling. <laughs> And I bet it, I bet it's Vince Russo. That's why I stick to retro games. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stick to retro games too. So, anyway, um, all right. So that brings us to the creation of Avalanche Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you go look, Avalanche was founded actually in March of 2003. But you'll also notice that when that's getting founded, Rock Solid Games still exists and Tremors is still in development. Mm-hmm. So, I'm guessing aspirations especially with the term like chaotic time in our lives. Um, I'm thinking aspirations. That either means, okay, we knock out Tremors and maybe Tremors development went poorly. Who knows? They'll never tell. Um, I'm guessing they think we'll knock out Tremors and then we'll leave the studio to do its own thing, take our cut and go off and do Avalanche. Or they were thinking about closing the studio themselves or they were going to open Avalanche in addition to Rock Solid Games and hopefully use Tremors to kickstart both projects, right? Anything's yeah. possible. We'll never know. But it's interesting that the company is founded in March, but they really don't do anything with it until after the summer when this all falls apart. So, anyway. Uh, the company's name is derived from the team's favorite World War II military code word, huh. obviously, Avalanche. <laughs> 
The purpose of the team was specifically to make a new engine appropriately called the Avalanche Engine for the creation of open world games. Uh, now, as you point out, the initial team at Avalanche was six people. Mm-hmm. So when it gets started, six people. So anyway, um, Jam, why don't we talk a little bit about Just Cause? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so uh, Just Cause, of course, was the company's, <laughs> of course, oh dear, I don't know. What, sorry about Snap. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> so it's the company's first game um, designed by Sunberg. And the goal was to skydive onto the roof of a car and just keep going, which you can kind of do in the game as well with the grapple, with the assistance of the grapple hook. Um, the demo. Well, actually, I don't. Is the grappling hook in the first game? It is. Yeah. yeah it oh, is. okay. It's not, as, um, it's not as fluid as the later, as the second game. I was going to say, it's a lot more prominent in the second yeah, game, but yeah, okay. All, <laughs> it was still kind of... The first game's interesting, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, the, yes, we, the demo, once we talk the about the history of it, we will uh, discuss the game proper, but anyway. Mm-hmm. The, the demo, which has got a great title, Rico Terror in the Tropics, was born at the end of 2003 to demonstrate um, an open-world game where you could basically have free range to move drive or fly in an open world with tons of optional side missions main missions and the ability to free roam in a living world um i just greenlit the project as publisher and avalanche set out to create the game in full um it eventually led to a title with more than 391 square miles of space uh, 21 main missions 300 side missions all to be played at the player's pace uh, the lead character rico rodriguez uh, works for the the agency, <laughs> right? <laughs> the agency. The. <laughs> know, yeah. It's not an agency. It is the, the agency, agency. <laughs> <laughs> an organization that has been hired to overthrow the dictator of the Caribbean island called San Esposito. Esposito, yes. <laughs> like Joe Esposito, who sang "You're the Best" around from the Karate Kid soundtrack. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> And the dictator, Salvador Mendoza, that's an easy one, is, yeah. um, <laughs> exactly, yeah, is a suspected of having a WMDs, weapons of mass destruction, yes. in addition to a corrupt <laughs> political practice and, of course, drug trafficking. Yeah, basically. Because uh, dusting horrible. in a little drugs. <laughs> yeah, it's the trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> So Rico, along with a few a-, a few agents, is set to stage a civil war of the guerrilla tactics uh, uh, to get the upper hand. Um uh, have, you, have you actually have you played this game, Fred? Just cool. I have, but it has been yeah. a long time. Although looking back on it, if you start to think about what that meant in two thousand and three, like remember, mercenaries. I don't think hits till two thousand and four. Yeah. Mm. So when you're going into this, this concept that a guy, because I guess in the demo or that prototype, what happens is you get to hear about this mission in San Esposito. And the plane takes off and he jumps out of the plane, skydives in, lands on the roof of a car, struggles with the people on the roof of a car. The car pulls over. He jumps down, beats them up, gets in the car and drives off, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's what IDOS (laughs) basically greenlit the game on. But if you think about like what this game has, 391 square miles, 21 main missions, that's nothing. I mean, that's pretty far for the course. 300 side missions. I had no idea. Didn't even try them. Mm -hmm. Um they're not great. <laughs> I bet. And the fact that we will talk about that in a second too. But And the fact that it's it, it just basically has free range of motion for traversing, running around, flying, driving. Just I mean, it really covers the gamut of what I would say, first of all, GTA tries to do. But you, you always notice that GTA, like, no airplay. You know, the, yeah. especially GTA 3 
and even Vice City uh, uh, to a certain extent, and actually even kind of the even San Andreas really didn't have too much plane action in it. It's present, but it's not. If if you're going by the main missions, it's not the main sort of thing you're going to be doing in the game. Yeah, and especially with Vice City, wasn't the plane you got just some shitty little biplane that you really couldn't do much well, with? The the first the GTA Three had that that impossible to fly pet plane. Oh, um, Vice yeah. City had the heli- <laughs> Vice City introduced helicopters, which was quite that's a big true. Deal. Yes, um, and San Andreas <laughs> introduced jets and stuff like that, and it got it got crazy in San Andreas. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's a good. Point. I think what what people what stands out with Just Cause is um, which wasn't something that you could do in GTA as easily is you could easily obtain pl- flying planes like anywhere you could like drop them down you can get like uh, like drops from the sky and it would like deliver you a plane or a helicopter instantly so you didn't have to go and drive to it or go hunt it down right no it was it was very available um very good for player choice and freedom because i'll be honest with you aside from the first like two or three missions that just kind of broke you in Mm -hmm. i didn't do shit in that game from a progress standpoint Uh, yeah i'd probably agree i'll completely agree with you especially on this first game well and again this was something we also did in mercenaries but it wasn't out yet when they started development of this um the original mercenaries not that mercenaries 2 shit which was so disappointing anyway um and uh and even to a certain extent uh we would see red faction gorilla really kind of play with this but that's much later um, that's a, that's a three, six, like that comes out about the same time as just cause. Um, in fact, after it, um, but yeah, yeah. So, um, I have played it real quick. We'll, we'll talk about this real quick. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up just cause and what people thought of it. And then you and I have a quick discussion about it, but, mm-hmm. um, just cause released on September, 2006. So three years of development for PlayStation two, Xbox, Xbox 360, and PC. I was very surprised to see they did both Xbox and 360. Yeah, that that was very surprising, yeah. Not a whole lot of games did that, but there were some cross-gen mm. there. Uh, 360 came out so early after the Xbox um, and was met with mixed reviews. Basically, if you wanted to play the story missions of the game, you found it boring and repetitive. <laughs> yeah. uh, story slash side. But if you just wanted to screw around with the game, you found it was great. This was very similar to people's feelings about Grand Theft Auto early on, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that was mostly remedied by Vice City. The game was also very buggy. Yep, it was. On the PlayStation 2 in particular, it has so many bugs that the game can be rendered, can render various missions unbeatable, or uh, the game can be rendered unplayable until you restart the console. So, yep. <laughs> oddly enough, while the 360 PC versions aren't that buggy, uh, no patches have ever been released for either of them. That's crazy. So, um, so I played this game on 360 because I bought a 360 and for some fucking dumb reason couldn't pick the right games, you know? You're sitting yeah. there perusing and you're looking at Call of Duty 2 and you're looking at, you know, various other launch titles and I picked Just Cause and, like, I think I bypassed Condemned as well and picked something else. It wasn't until Gears of War that I made a good launch window decision. How about you? Oh, King I, Kong was another game I bought. <laughs> <laughs> I got that too. Yeah. So, so um, I I played just well. It's interesting with Just Cause actually because I played um, when I, I was at I was at university at time and my housemate got the PlayStation Two version, which is the buggy one we get weird about. But my friend who had the 360, he got the 360 version, and this is my first introduction to what the next gen could do because the graphical difference between these two versions was pretty obvious. <laughs> kind of striking, yeah. And PC yeah. is even more striking. Yeah. But remember, this is a time that predates DirectX Nine, so it wasn't 
It might have been nine. No, I don't think it was, though. I think it was eight. So it's not as impressive as it could be. But anyway, continue. Yeah, and, and basically, you know, it was one of those examples of you, you saw the 360 and go, wow, that game looks pretty. You know, that's right? A, yeah, that's yeah. A, Just Cause <laughs> did until we saw that there were other games that were going to look yeah, prettier. You know, then then Epic was like, oh, I'm sorry. You like that way, the way that looks? Have you seen Gears of War? Come over here. Jack off. Uh, anyway, um... <laughs> But uh, this is so before what, we, we discovered HDMI cables as well. <laughs> they didn't exist. It was component or composite. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? You had to toggle the HD TV <laughs> switch. It was great. Um, but yes. Um, also, people in the chat are talking about it. So Simon Belmont and Cy1 point out Gun and Tony Hawks were the yeah. first 360 <laughs> games he got. And then he got Gears. That was a good game. And the game. graphics were just jaw dropping. Yeah, a lot of people don't like Gun. I like Gun. I, I had fun with that as a 360 game. I rented that because I heard it was short. For some reason, I bought King Kong. And Simon Belmont pointed out that King Kong was on both Xbox and 360. The easiest uh, achievements you'll ever get. <laughs> I do believe Lego Star Wars ended up being both of those. You and I had a discussion recently about that, Jam. And I do believe Lego Star Wars is on both consoles. So, there you go. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, back to... Back to it just cause. So you played it on 360? Yeah, I played it on 360. I, I think I've got it in 360 somewhere. Again, it was just just a cure for curiosity. So. Yeah, I I did too. And um and again, I just remember playing it a little bit and then started fucking around with it. And this was also while achievements were new to us. Yeah, I noticed a lot yeah. of the achievements had nothing to do with the campaign. No, and I was just like, oh, ones, yeah. yeah, can I? What was it? There was one where it was like leap out of a helicopter and <laughs> land on a car. Back when the developers didn't know what to do with achievements, they're like, oh, yeah. just enter this building, dead, but sorry, enter this car. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. Um, but I do remember hearing stuff about the PS2 version, how god awful it was. And you know yeah, what? You know when the next time you the next time you heard about something like this was ironically Mercenaries Two, mm-hmm. where Mercenaries Two wasn't a great game, but it wasn't that buggy and it wasn't that broken on uh, PS3 or Xbox 360. But on PS2, it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know what's going on with those, but you know, it's probably the danger of cross-gen development. And clearly, Just Cause did not start life with the 360 in mind yeah yeah so but it did use power pc which i think i thought 360 used power pc as did maybe it didn't use power pc i know xbox did so maybe there was an easy port over to 360 architecture but i'm betting that either because of the PC port, I be, actually, I bet it was the PC port. They figured out they could move the PC port, uh, which was Windows XP uh, mm-hmm. compliant. You have to use compatibility mode, I think, when you play it on modern console or on modern PCs. Mm. Um, anyway, I haven't booted up the PC version yet, but I, I remember playing it on 360. And you can get the PC version, especially this week, because Just Cause cheap. 3 came out for like <laughs> 8 cents or something or whatever. But. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just remember this game just being like, I was like, eh, it's okay, it's crazy, but... yeah. Like GTA, and this was during a time, a dark time, where I really didn't care much for GTA. Um, I was just like, I'm tired of these games where I run out of stuff to do. And then I wanted the missions to be good, and the missions were just not that compelling. Mm. Should, probably, I just wanted to touch on those missions as well, because we obviously mentioned that, because the whole 300 side missions, I think I remember that being on the back of the box as well, but oh, all I'm the sure side missions are, are, is basically 
um, infiltrate an area, kill everyone in the area, retrieve something, and then you know, and then exit, and that's it. And it's and they're just repetitive over and over again. And I, I know that that's quite commonplace in a lot of games. Oh, though, so but, it's yeah. the prototype school of development. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't know why I love Radical Entertainment's way of doing stuff, but like, yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> it was, it, you know, it's it, it was a game that was obviously. I think it was more designed for you to make your own fun with it. Um, yeah, and it succeeds there. Definitely. Uh, uh, unfortunately, as Fortinguard kind of hints to, and we'll talk about, um, it's almost worthless now that Just Cause Two exists, and probably yes. that yeah. might even be worthless now that Just Cause Three exists. But I think it's too soon to tell on that last one. But anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's move on to what they did after. So, so the game had mixed reviews. I think it was yeah. relatively successful. Uh, being a launch well, game, yeah. you get a decent pass. But uh, just so you know, I think its Metacritic overall score is like 6.8 or something. So it wasn't super good. But 6.8 is better than I think today's gaming audience gives it credit for. Mm-hmm. So anyway. So, yeah, yeah, although that there was other projects, um, the biggest priority for Avalanche was to develop the Avalanche Engine 2 and um, <laughs> utilize it for, for the improved sequel to Just Cause, appropriately named Just Cause 2. So, hey, all right. <laughs> announced in 2007. Um, Just Cause 2 was to release in 2008, but was delayed due to the development of... Avalanche Engine, that's what AE is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, in, addition to this, in, in addition, the studio uh, suffered a $35 million loss including two contracts one of which was um arcadia a thq published title that was that that was gothic 4 wasn't it i think i believe so yeah it was one of those things that was discovered when uh, when thq like died off and then they had to do that fire sale of properties but i couldn't find much information on arcadia like i do think it was gothic 4 but like we didn't know much about what yeah what it was supposed to be it was still kept under wraps pretty well Mm. and somebody may have bought that up now that I think about oh, it. The game was released, yeah. Oh, wait. Arcadia? I believe so, yeah. Oh, so wrong. maybe somebody else picked up the torch. Anyway. Yeah, it was, it, it's okay. terrible, the game. <laughs> oh, great. Well, it's good to see that uh, they made the right choice. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, they had to lay off 77 um, employees. Uh, the company suffered 20 more layoffs in 2009 uh, when it had uh, further financial problems and didn't complete Just Cause 2 yet again. Yeah, it's a rough year for... <laughs> yeah, quite difficult for them, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so they go on with that off the cusp of, of that. And, and, again, this is the downside to creating tech, right? Yeah. Is you invest tens of millions of dollars to create the tech for your next game, but it actually ends up delaying your game. Um, but, anyway, Avalanche has also been involved in the uh, 2009 free-to-play online PC hunting title, The Hunter. <laughs> but until they took over for original developer Emote Games in 2010, it was simply a licensee of the Avalanche engine. The title released in 2009 and gets a partial support from Avalanche, um, which means I think they did an up, uh, a complete overhaul of the original game mm-hmm. um, and now has, an, uh, has upgraded to the Avalanche engine 2. But I'm fairly certain another developer has taken over the Hunter. Uh, Jam, have you ever played this? No, I've never played this. This is like a hyper-realistic yeah. free-to-play online hunting game. <laughs> this is like Big Buck Hunter to the nth degree. Um, and apparently it's got a strong following, although I'm not a- among those. But uh, eh, it's an interesting game, <laughs> I guess. So, anyway. Let's see. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Avalanche also works on a title, um, Aeon Guard, which was uh, to be a 360 and PS3 title. Um, that had little, it had little, little details leaked since it was announced in 2009. Um, it started as a World War One title published by Idos and eventually um, became a sci-fi title and then a fantasy title. So lots that's of a kind of, big transition. Kind of, <laughs> like if you try to think of, I think of Darkest mm. Days and I go, wow, it's probably a good thing that never came out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's probably because of this kind of flip flopping around, deciding what the hell the game is, and it was eventually cancelled in 2010. But Avalanche has since purchased the rights, and it can restart development if it so desires. So maybe they'll go some another other genre next. Maybe who knows? Well, we <laughs> should point out like they were down to like before Just Cause Two came out, they were down to like 30 people or something. Yeah. And I should just, spoiler alert, today they are 250 strong with a Mm -hmm. second office in New York. Avalanche doing a little bit better now. Um, But but with that in mind, uh, yeah, I can tell you that they wanted it to be a World War I game. Mm -hmm. And I believe IDOS pressured them to make it either a sci-fi or a fantasy title and then the other group converted and migrated it i'd like to see it come out as a world war one game based off of its yeah, original premise yeah. and that may be why they purchased the rights to it but mm. we shall see anyway and eventually of course in march 2010 oh wait hold on fortin talking about darkest days i remember dark darkest days i didn't think that memory would ever come back to me you wasted my memory <laughs> you're welcome sir i remember darkest days didn't even run well at fucking pax 2009 anyway um Eventually, in March 2010, Just Cause 2 released for the 360, PS3, and PC to mostly positive reviews. Like the previous title, the strength of the game was the myriad of destruction and the chaos options. And, of course, the the new focus on the grappling hook. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like the origin, original, the missions proper aren't that strong, at least in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I agree. Have you played Just Cause 2? I do. Yeah, I've got it, yeah. Just Cause 2 is a lot of fucking fun. This this is a lot more fun to dick around as well. This game. This game's um, insane. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like insane, uh, and it's been it's gotten DLC. It's got a mm-hmm. multiplayer mod that's free on PC. Yeah, it got it got it a lot of love on the PC. Um, yes, <laughs> so much so that a lot of the mods made of that were what's kind of met, put into the third game. But, yes, the mod community was definitely consulted and possibly even paid. Um, to assist mm. in this third game but like everything is destructible in just cause <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there are ga- episodes of video game outsiders where john uh within the last like year or two just started replaying just cause 2 and started doing batshit insane stuff like he would take a helicopter and just like drop it into like an oil plant or something and use the grappling hook to jump to something else and uh and just watch the explosions go off and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and that's crazy on 360 PS3. I'm told it gets even crazier on PC. I did pick it up on PC, but uh, I haven't I haven't played it. So I'm you one of those can terrible surf on people. A plane. <laughs> that's all you need you to know. You can surf a plane. Yes. <laughs> you also have the parachute, don't you? Yeah, you, you, you can had just... it. Yeah, parachute in all games. Yeah, even in yeah. the first one. Um, you're riding on the roof of a car. You just parasail. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's base jumping and parkour and all kinds of crazy stuff. So <laughs> it is a crazy game. Mm-hmm. So, and Simon Bowen says, let's cut to the chase. Is Cause 3 better than 2? Probably. 
well, I can't speak to it personally, but uh, the reviews have been play, pretty clear yeah. today. So, because I played it, I played it at um, EGX this this year. Um, oh yeah, what do you the, think? Uh, well, it's it's difficult because um, I I can't really speak to the much game's difficult. I, no, no, no. Because oh. in terms of why it's given opinion, because I only played a twenty minute sort of demo of it. I mean, from what I played, it was very much more the same, but because the, they were really pushing how big the island was this time, of how big the area was. But I was like, thinking, yeah, yeah, that's cool and all, but what's you know what's new here in this time? You know what's you know what's different? And then they got they got the the rep at the time. He really just kept just reiterating, oh, but it's such a big game, you can go anywhere. I was like, it's yeah, bigger, it's just, better, it's just more cool too. You know? yeah. <laughs> Give me a little bit more here. <laughs> Have you seen the grappling hook? Um, yeah. But uh... the main difference is, is like I said, I re- like I said earlier, is that um, the modding. There's there's lots of inferences from the modding community of the second game. So you can do this whole multi grappling hook thing. So you can like attach grappling hook to multiple things, and then they can join together. <laughs> yeah, and you tether awesome, them together. Another uh, thing that uh, just or sorry, Red Faction borrowed from that, but. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, but but, but all, all the demo really did was just it was just like you know, twenty minutes. Here's a rocket launcher. Have fun. <laughs> it's just, that's pretty much it. See, I kind of want to tether a jet airplane going in one direction, yeah, <laughs> to like a tank going in the other direction, and just see what happens. I think if Maybe you like, if people like Just Cause between. Two, you probably will like Just Cause Three. Absolutely. Apparently, the plot's okay, which is the most oh, surprising really? oh, thing. Oh, that's, that's very surprising. <laughs> yeah, we got to go double check that. But um, yeah, Simon Belmont's at, talking about the Far Cry Four to Three comparison, and same thing here. I've only played Three. It's not better than Two because Far Cry Two is the best fucking game that ever came out in that franchise. Far but Cry you know, hey, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Only certain weird people like me appreciate just uh, Far Cry Two. I, I actually, I do Far kind of like Far Cry Two. Shit, the shit. Anyway, um, but yeah, with that in mind, like I said, it's it's more modern, but I think Avalanche Studios comes from an interesting pedigree. So I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing what they uh, what they have in store for I hope us. They for bring the out future. that World War game. Hmm. What? I say I hope they bring out that World War One game. That'd be good. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that Aeon. Uh, hold on, I got my notes somewhere. Where uh, Aeon Guard. Aeon. Yeah, Aeon Guard. That's A I O N G U A R D. If you want to look it up, uh, fellow listeners. But uh, yeah. So. Anyway, with that, how about we migrate over to Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six? Mm-hmm. So. Let's do it. All right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, first and foremost, this is interesting because it is based off of Tom Clancy is an American author. He writes lots of things, including the Jack Ryan series, The Sum of All Fears. Uh, what are some of his other Jack Ryan ones? Um, I don't remember. Anyway. But anyway. But what was interesting was Tom Clancy made a novel, Rainbow Six. Yep. Massive. Um, Crazy big. <laughs> yes. Well, it was very popular and it was also very large. It was huge. Um, yeah, it's 740 pages. And I have it. <laughs> but anyway, and it came out in um, August of 1998. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is so did Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, the game. So this is the first game where, prior to the release of it, um, the information is given and um, and uh, the, a game is made based off of it. So, mm-hmm. and of course, 
This is most notable because it's a game about a counterterrorism group as opposed to um, the previous books that Tom Clancy was most known for, which was either, you know, overarching, you know, politics, mostly in the U.S., but worldwide politics, and, of course, Jack Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It also liked to use gadgets and whatnot. I remember that being a significant part of it. Um, Red Tide and Hunt for Red October. Thank you very much. (laughs) But, uh, but yes, uh, and, and I remember reading this novel and really digging it before playing the game, actually. Um, yeah. I always tried to stray away from big budget authors, but occasionally some things check me in and I was in a real cyberpunk phase at this time. And this kind of had that hacker feel to it. Um, but it basically focuses around, uh, main character, John Clark, who is, um, former black ops. Um, and then his uh, his buddy Ding Chavez creating a counter terrorist group um, that's based with the uh, SAS or well, Jam. Who is the SAS? But in America, no, nope. you guys. SA. Oh, the yes. SA. Yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm, put me on the spot now. <laughs> Sorry, I threw threw you under the bus. Uh, uh, in England, there is uh, British SAS, the Special Air Service. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with these guys? These guys are um, your, your yeah, black. yeah, the, spe- the special A. So I, I'm familiar with them, but I don't know a lot about them. I know they were founded in sort of um, in the in the 40s. That's about yeah, yeah, yeah. And Captain Price, dad. yeah, Captain my Price is one of your boys. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, so they go and uh, base themselves in SAS's uh, headquarters in Hereford, England, um, and it just kind of plays out a couple of circumstances where they handle some counterterrorism honestly mm-hmm. um you know i mean uh there's of course the initial one where uh um you know where they have to go to austria and uh save a uh a businessman um who's held up in his schloss um and then of course there's uh an instance at the olympic games in sydney um there is a uh um a brazilian rainforest um, there's some stuff in uh, in Kansas actually at a secret Air Force base, and of course there is a circumstance at a uh, theme park. So, um, Jam, do you remember much about this novel or anything that specifically sticks out to you? I'll be honest, I never read, I never actually read the novel, but I okay. think from no, what I heard, I didn't from, mean to put you on the spot from friends that that the novel wasn't much similar to the game at all. <laughs> no, I mean that. Yeah, like the locations, I guess, are in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the book's all about them hunting down this terrorist by the name of Popov, and it it's it's really not um it it's really not the basis of the game, you know. Mm. So, but uh, but it's cool. Uh, what I remember most is the Schloss thing where there is this just an amazing like infiltrate a description of like two chapters of infiltrating a house and how you take out a bunch of terrorists in a house, you know, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the same thing that got me all rip roaring ready to go when I saw that siege demo. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so that's the basis for which Rainbow Six comes from. Um, and uh, and of course, these guys are um, the people who. Basically, the idea is that Rainbow Six is where you go when Black Ops isn't enough, when the Green Berets aren't going to do it, when SEAL Team nope. Six doesn't <laughs> handle it. These are the guys who handle it. So, um, it does consist of two teams. Um, so, uh, Ding is the lead of one, 
and uh peter covington is the leader of of team one uh sorry uh ding is the leader of team two so um but they've got everything there man they got the the close carters combat people delta force seals rangers snipers the whole nine so they're all in there and of course a bunch of saf guys yeah a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of crazy british people that can just like kill you with their fucking thumb um but uh, beard, so. yeah buddy <laughs> lots of beards uh lots of nationalities are are in there yes um, that yeah people from all over the world i think that was kind of the big thing but uh anyway um now jam are you familiar with the first game have you played the first game i have yes okay um so yeah, probably it was, not on the correct version. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But the first game was made by Red Storm Entertainment, yes. um, which was better known as Ubisoft Red Storm. So it was an internal developed uh, Red Storm group. They're still around today. They're well, based out of before they were acquired by Ubisoft, the first one. Um, that's probably true. I remember the Red Storm being on the package of the first two. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's Red Storm Entertainment's on the package. I've got the first game in front of me here, but I don't think yeah. Ubisoft acquired them until a little bit after this. They did. I think this the first game is what they gathered the interest from Ubisoft, and then they took Well, took when them Ubisoft off. took them over, you know, yeah. that's when they changed the twister to the lightning bolt, which I'm so against. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Clue Drew says, they can kill you with their beard. Yep. Fuck yeah, they can. <laughs> Fuck yeah, they can. Play Call of Duty, the first, but the Modern Warfare one. There's a guy in there that does that. <laughs> the other one that's great is, uh, um, oh, Medal of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fun cover. The new there. Medal of Honor, man. There's more beards per capita in that than you could ever imagine. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, and we should point out that um, Red Storm Entertainment was no was no stranger to Tom Clancy. They had. Uh, they had done Tom Clancy's Politica uh, before this, as well as Dominant Species, um, but of course, um, Politica is a uh, is is Risk. <laughs> so, and Dominant Species is a cyborg RTS. So, so yeah, yeah, um, but yes, they've they've pretty much focused mostly around uh, Tom Clancy games. So. We should also point out these are this is the team uh, in charge of the division. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're into more recent stuff. So, Jam, where did you play Rainbow Six? Because <laughs> there are there are four options. Yeah, yeah, there are, aren't there? Um, and I'm not speaking to the Game Boy Color one, so we're just gonna leave that one. <laughs> Probably best, be. best to leave that one. So, yeah, the the version that <laughs> I played was the Sony PlayStation version. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, no, there are four versions. There's the uh, five versions. There's the PC version as well. Yes, um, of course, there's the PC version. That's the, best one. <laughs> That's the one that you should be paying attention to. But yes, there was a PS1, an N64, a Dreamcast, and a PC version. Apparently, the Dreamcast one is not bad, I've heard. I've heard that. Not so bad. You know why? Direct port of the fucking PC version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Um, that's why you notice a lot of these PlayStation 1 area games. Uh doing that but uh, all right so you played it on playstation one and actually my first time playing it was on playstation one oh, really? i actually had not played this game back when it came out i purchased it when it came out on psn mm-hmm. threw up um <laughs> and then went back and played the pc I version that. yeah that yeah. sums it up actually you know? um you so yeah. yeah and i should point out the pc version is on gog so that is a 
great way to play mm-hmm. it and i'm certain it will run on your computer it'll probably run on anything in this case <laughs> you better get good at WASD though <laughs> but anyway um so yeah so so what'd you think uh well you know what yeah when this <laughs> is the playing devil's advocate is that i if if you weren't aware of the pc the better pc version this game wasn't too bad in terms of if it was all you if it's all you were given um, it, it's sort of it, what they did with the place, which I should mention there's a terrible port on the N64 as well. <laughs> why, why we're throwing everything under the bus? Oh, okay, so that port's so, bad too. Okay, I figured, um, but I want to make sure. Yeah, they're, they're basically um, the, the Dreamcast is the only good console port, apparently. And then the, um, the PS1 and the N64 versions are ports that are adjusted specifically for consoles. They're almost like the game is almost kind of redone, really, compared to the PC version. Um, obviously, things are dumbed down. You know, um, yeah. you, you don't have. The PC has incredible micromanagement to it. You can like customize. You can you can micromanage everything. You can decide how aggressive your teammates are. You can decide if they're going to like go in strong or soft. Or you know, you can you can. There's all these little tiny tweaks. You can even tweak their bloody camouflage in that game. It's all, there's so many sort of small things you can do. Um, but in the PlayStation One version, they basically streamline it a bit more. You do get some flexibility. You can still choose. Um. <laughs> what, okay. No. No. <laughs> no. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm listening. I'm listening. You can still choose your entry points into which way how you get into the building or where you know well not the bit necessarily the building the mission start point you say so you can you only get three team members though this time so you don't you don't have right see on the PC version you're kind of yeah so let's talk about this real quick real quick before we talk about the differences um, what this game is is much like Rainbow Six you get six operatives or three Um, (laughs) well you get three that you play as yes. Um, and you're basically infiltrating, but because the PC one can keep track of the AI, both it has a better a- enemy AI and your team, I believe members of your team infiltrate with you. You're just a member yeah. of the team. That's right. And that's where you get the behavior metrics. And then, yes, everyone's got their specialities, and they are somewhat related to what they are in the novel. You know? Yeah, the, um, the, the names and stuff are there with the characters. It's got the names, but also like if Ding was good with uh, tactical shotgun and uh, breach points, that's what he would handle. You know what I mean? Um, and I think even where you enter the house is based off of the person you pick mm. in the PC. I could be wrong about that. It's been a long time. And you'd think I'd boot the damn thing up before doing this episode. But I I'll be, I'll be the PlayStation 1 version up before I did this. <laughs> now, I did play the PlayStation 1 version recently, and it's ingrained in my head. But anyway... And the idea about it is you have to be very careful. This is yeah. not Dark Slow. Forces or Doom. You are creeping and crawling. And actually, while a lot of wow. people may complain about this, that's the draw. It is, yeah. Yeah, this is for those fucking Deus Ex people. Oh, I <laughs> no, I wouldn't say so. I think Deus Ex is a lot... F- Deus Ex can at least be played like a... I guess it can be, but I, pl- I definitely played Deus Ex the original... Yeah, pretty slow and steady, and sneaking around and moving slow, but uh, you, you know, but you could die very easily. Yes, well, yeah, you, it's it's kind of like one shot dead. You you have the same limitations as your enemy, basically. You know, only a couple of bullets mm-hmm. and you're down. Um, it's I mean, it's very very strategic based, and um, a lot of it is really it's more planning really i would say this game this this original game it's more about you you're looking at maps at the beginning you're deciding you're making tactics and it reminds yeah, me because you get the yeah. blueprints of the mm. of the building the house is the first mission yeah and everybody remembers the house um, the ambassador, yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's because it, it it literally goes through all the levels from the book, but uh, um, but yeah, you go save the ambassador and uh, breach charges. Are, do you use breach charges in the PlayStation game? You, no, okay. definitely not in PlayStation version. No. And flashbangs? You have flashbangs, but okay. you don't sort okay. of do them like with the do- through the doors or anything. So no, and I don't think you really do in the PC no. version either. But anyway, um, so yeah, so that's just. Anyway, before we talk about the different console versions, that's pretty much how you run the op. And so, like like you said, Jam, it's 10 minutes of planning, and then you just kind of... Oh, sometimes more. <laughs> yeah, maybe 15 <laughs> minutes. And then you launch what is quite uh, honestly a two-minute op. Yeah, and if it's yeah, going to go bad, it's going to go bad um, mm. pretty fast. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, and people are joking about this real quick before we talk about it. Simon Belmont says, I also bought this on a flash sale on PSN for 99 cents. Not worth it. I said, <laughs> right? And he goes, terrible. Uh, Fortingard also says, Super Bunny Hop has a really good video about Tom Clancy's influence on video games in general. And one specifically about the old Rainbow Six games. So we should all watch them. So, um, like I said, Super Bunny Hop. Um, look oh, yeah. those up. But anyway... So yeah, so that's the basic premise. And again, like I said, in the PC, it's a little bit more of you play as one of the operatives and you just try to assist your team. But there are breach charges. Um, They will distract enemies. Lots of sense of hearing and moving around. Um, You have flashbangs. But that's more of like if somebody gets the jump on you or if you see them through the door, you can't open the door and see them in the other room. Whereas on the PSN, I mean, you could kind of... We'll talk about the PlayStation 1 version. You could kind of walk into them and... Sometimes you'll be okay. But in this one, it was like you open a door and you see a guy there and you just kind of pop a flashbang in front of him. And you had to look away and then you got to run in there and take him out. Um, but when you pop a flashbang, you are bringing interest to yourself. So you got to know kind of that your other teammates are disposing of enemies in advance. I think you even know how many enemies are in the building. You just don't know necessarily where they are. I guess I, I don't I'm not too sure about the PCR. I know that I know unlike sort of you know a general FPS shooter you only have like possibly maximum of 14 enemies per level not many you know yeah no and a lot of people say this is kind of the precursor to yeah. what is known as terrorist hunt uh which comes out later in other tom clancy games first with Graw and then with vegas but yeah. anyway um so jam sorry I've been manipulating the time That's taking right. it over let's talk now about what the PlayStation <laughs> 1 game is <laughs> Well, the PlayStation 1 game is, it, and this is what's quite funny about the PlayStation version. This is actually quite a common thing that happened with um, kind of the first, I guess, three Rainbow Six games in this series where the console port was very much, you know, adjusted for the limitations of the console. I'd say the first two, and the two, two in the expansion packs. Three was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. it, it basically, it does have, it still has the same, well, I get most of the, as far as I'm aware, most of the same levels from the PC. You just now, you only control three operatives and there's no backup or anything. You can control the other operatives. You can go up to them and sort of click on them and tell them to follow you or guard the area. So you can still, you know, issue orders. Um, oh, see, that's what I did wrong. What I would basically do is send one guy in by himself, and when he okay. died, I'd send the next guy in, and uh-huh. then the third guy. Is that why I was failing so much? Not necessarily, because okay. the well, the, that that it would you. That it would help probably if you had at least one of them following you. But the problem I had in this game when we've been playing it today is that if you get both of them following you, you have that problem where the AI is so dumb in this game that they'll just literally block doors. <laughs> just yeah, like, they'll stand in your way. You're like, just get out of the, get out of the way. Um, 
And you mentioned it earlier about the enemies as well. There was a moment where I went in from the roof <laughs> um, in that first level, and then you drop down. You can drop. You can go through the attic, and I dropped down. There's an enemy literally right there. I dropped down, didn't see him. He's shooting at me. I'm turning around to view him. He's shooting at me point blank range and doing no damage, <laughs> which is got. So he's a stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, that's how just bizarre the mechanics are in this game. But um, and then, <laughs> but then, but then for re- but one one of the most sort of shoddiest parts of the the PlayStation port is a lot of the enemies they get they get kind of stuck on the corners and they can shoot you through the corner gap. <laughs> so oh yeah, like, I heard they were clipping. So they can shoot you, and... Yeah, they can shoot you through walls, but they just can't shoot you point blank range. Yeah, they're clipping so... <laughs> issues. Uh, to yeah, I don't know. I just remember I could never beat the house. Mm. In uh, although I wasn't great in the PC one either. I think I got to the Olympics and that was it. But, um, but, uh, yeah, the other thing is the controls, the way the PlayStation maps, the controls, because they didn't do the analog. The analog could double up as a D pad, I think, or maybe you could remap it on the PSN. Yeah, they did have analog. They had analog compatibility. What? Yeah, they had, the, they had analog for Rainbow Six. It's not dual, then, is it? It is, yeah. Really? It is, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so that's the version I played. Today, I must have played so. this on a PSP. <laughs> Damn it! I'll re-download it on the Vita and give it a go, but I still don't think it's gonna change I much. I don't think it's gonna but, change it, but, so, yeah. but uh, and I remember on the ends, or I can only imagine what the N64 would be like. Um, I can imagine the N64 version is terrible. Yeah, but um, <laughs> from what I've heard is, um, especially because of the. The graphic, because the graphics in the PlayStation version, and the PlayStation version, that it was capable of doing decent graphics back then. The they are horrible on this game. Big old block people. It's fantastic. They're not just blocky people. When you shoot them, there's these horrible clunky animations where they're just kind of like. It reminds me of like. Do you remember? Do you remember Quake on the PC? If you ran it on a really crappy piece, three point one PC back in the day. Yes. Running three eighty six with no hardware acceleration and keep the <laughs> polygon count up because you want it to look as good as you can. That was back when I didn't understand PCs and I'm like, oh yeah, well why wouldn't I want it to be the best I can? But uh, anyway, but um, yeah, and, and I and I'm the I'm the guy that's usually got like nostalgia for the pacing graphics, but it, they do not look good. And this is not in this is not like oh it doesn't look good today. No, it didn't look good back then. <laughs> so Simon Belmont says for the console port, go with the Dreamcast for yes, sure. That's the one I've heard. Yeah, I, I, maybe I should go. Try I know. I don't need to try and find that. Yeah. It's easy to find. Like where really? Dreamcast games are sold, at least in America, it can be easy to find. I was just, I always saw it and I just had this bad taste in my mouth and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah, the game was, but it had a cool concept, right? I think the takeaway from this is in a time where, as you said, you've got Quake, you've got Dark Forces, you've got Doom clones, you've got all these hulking shooters where you can't help but like barrel in there here comes a game that's all about planning perseverance and patience. And if you don't keep a cool head, you're fucked. You're straight up fucked, which is probably why it wasn't very popular uh, right away, but it had a strong fan base. Like, I don't know if it had a strong number, but a loyal fan base on the PC when it came out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I couldn't do WASD. So I was out right away. Um, (laughs) I couldn't handle strafing and doom. I wasn't going to do this shit. Um, 
but uh yeah yeah and then of course it came out on the dreamcast which i'm curious to see how that goes but like that's like five years later it's like whoa <laughs> but yeah the first game was rainbow six in 90, 1995 and i i think there were some expansion packs but since we've clearly not touched them i don't really know if we should speak to them i i've not played any of the expansion packs um I know the Dreamcast version apparently comes with the expansion pack. Yeah, Eagle Watch. Okay. Let's see I think what I'm, Eagle I'm Watch I'm going to hunt down this Dreamcast version. I've got to see this for myself. So. It's not expensive, I promise. But uh, <laughs> uh, here we go. What's Eagle Watch? Um, it adds five new missions, four new operatives, three new weapons, and a partridge in a pear tree. Now, um, and it had multiplayer. It is 1st of December. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and it added multiplayer... Modes, so um, hmm, there you go. I bet the Dreamcast one went online too. Probably, yeah, yeah. Did, could you play it online on PC? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it had multiplayer modes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't, um, but mm. it had. I I recently bought it on GOG. I'm not going online with that shit. <laughs> um, anyway. um, and then it was followed up by <laughs> Rainbow Six. Rogue Spear. Rogue Spear. Yeah, and I don't think Rogue Spear was a book. I think only I the think original. It was. I only remember it being one book. Or was there, was there more Rainbow Six books? I don't think so, honestly. First one was big enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we could get into the plot of it, but it's really not necessary. Oh, well, they're all the same, really, aren't they? Not, not to be <laughs> that guy. They're just but... Black Ops, you know? You're just running yeah. different versions of Black Ops. But anyway... Um, came out in 1999. This is Rainbow Six 2, in case people need numbers. <laughs> um, but, uh, and uh, and it, it has various different things, but it's mostly Russian-based. So you find yourself in the Soviet Union a lot and things like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, was, it came out on the PC, obviously, Mac. Of course, it's uh, actually, I don't know if it's on GOG. It might not be on GOG. Um, did get a... Um, no, it didn't. Got a Game Boy Advance port. Okay. <laughs> um, it got a PlayStation port in 2001, which is crazy. They yeah, did I, I make saw a, that, yeah. Yeah, they made a PlayStation 2 one. version, which was canceled, and the lead platform on consoles was, um, was, uh, Dreamcast. Yep, yep. surprise, surprise. So Dreamcast yeah. wins again. Right? Um, did you play this one? <laughs> I never actually played this one, but I did I did see um, that it was available for PlayStation 1. And I, I do remember this being um, definitely a very popular Dreamcast title for people. Very popular Dreamcast mm. title. Yes, came out near the launch of the Dreamcast, um, November mm. 2000. This uh, came out before the original one, did it? <laughs> so on yes i think it did on the dreamcast yeah um no no it did not it didn't it did not uh it came out same year they probably were like oh shit we gotta rush this along let's see here (laughs) well because uh dreamcast comes out in september of 99 Mm -hmm. um and then in may you get rainbow six and then rogue spear comes um that november so there you go Mm mm-hmm so obviously for the holidays, um, Dreamcast really didn't prove itself until 2000, and then of course it died like right after this. But um, so yeah, uh, Simon Belmont says it was Black Ops before Black Ops. I get that. Yeah, um, little less oh, heroy, oh, but yeah. <laughs> um, 
Let's talk about Call of Duty back on. So there, there are. Um, it was the sequel. Um, had a lot of uh, different uh, map packs and, or, or sorry, mission packs and whatnot. Very strongly received on PC. Not as strongly, but decently in the 70s received on Dreamcast. And then the other versions, not so much. Um, did you play this one? I didn't play. No, no, I didn't play this okay. one. Is and this I didn't a, either. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was what? about to say, this is, considered, this is considered the second game in the series then. Because I always thought this was the expansion yes. to the first one. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, this is, this is the second game. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a bunch of expansions itself, actually. Okay. Um, and it did have multiplayer. I think this was PC only, though. Yeah. Um, which was either cooperative or adversarial. That makes sense. Um, cooperative was pretty much terrorist hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they were their own missions, but they were very similar to the campaign. Um, and then adversarial um, is one-on-one straight-up deathmatch, right? And no, no response. So... Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it did have 16 players, so that was a decent, that was a decent group for that time for 2000. Um, it did have some add-on packs, obviously. Urban Operations is the first one, um, and uh, it adds eight new maps, five classic maps, and three new weapons. Um, so uh, it did have mods. Um, it did have Covert Ops Essentials, which was a spy, a training simulator, and then Blackthorn, which uh, was um, single player stuff. It was nine mm. single player missions. Um, did it did include uh, new multiplayer maps and stuff, but it was mostly for single player people. Like that was the big premise of it. And with these add on packs and bonuses and all this stuff like that. I, I it was PC focused clearly, which mm. is probably why neither of us have touched it. I've always thought that was quite kind of funny about the Rainbow Six games, especially these earlier ones. Is that even though they, especially the, well, I, I found this when I was playing the play, I know the PlayStation One version. I know people say, oh, but it's not the proper version anyway. But you always play these games with silenced weapons. You didn't play these games with loud weapons. No, uh, Fortinger was talking about everybody ran around with an MP5 that was silenced, yep. which is totally <laughs> absolutely. True. Well, MP5 was great because it was spray and pray. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, so that's, that's all. And that kind of staggers out on the PC between 2000 and 2001. Now in 2002, we get rainbow six lone wolf on the PS one. Do you know this game jam? Oh, that might be the one I was thinking of actually, but, um, but I haven't, but I haven't played it though, but okay. Yeah. It doesn't even get a Wikipedia page. So. Well, I guess I'll say the Dreamcast is the only console worth owning. So. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> so then we fast forward to where they really start to nail it on consoles as well as um, on on PC uh, when we get uh, Rainbow Six Raven Shield. Um, now, uh, at this point, uh, Ubisoft Montreal uh, kind of gets involved, works with Red Storm. This is something we see very similarly even today with like Assassin's Creed and stuff, they blend a bunch of studios together. And I think the best reason was to make sure it got out where it needed to, including Windows, OS, Mac. Um, and then, of course, uh, it did get an Xbox, PlayStation 2, and GameCube port, but it was known as Rainbow Six 3. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
Now, Jam, did you play this game? On Xbox. <laughs> yes. So did I. What a weird So did everybody. Rainbow Six Free. What? That used to always just make me laugh. It's called Rainbow Six Free. Yeah, because even back then I was like, where was one and two, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was even funnier because they released... Um, they released Rainbow Six uh, or t- a Tom Clancy pack around this time, and I don't know if you recall, but it had Rainbow S- or it had Splinter Cell, um, Ghost Recon, and then Rainbow Six Three. And you're like, why three? Mm. Um, but uh, anyway, and I've got it right in front of me here. Do you still own this one? Yes, I do. Yeah, on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people grab this on the Xbox, and probably the biggest reason was. Um, uh, we're getting the buzz again, Jam. Oh, damn it. Wait, no, it's gone. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it had Xbox Live. Mm-hmm. So, um, Online. yeah, it had a ton of shit. Um, it had, uh, what were there? There were, um, there was online multiplayer, I think 16 person. There was a campaign it was like 14 or 15 missions and then there was like 14 or 15 co-op missions so um there's also, also mm-hmm. what well, the, there's also the infamous voice commands do you remember that yes <laughs> grab your xbox live headset and tell the players what to do i have to apologize right now i did not play rogue spear on um on or no i'm not sorry not rogue spear uh what was it um uh, Raven Shield. I didn't play it on PC, so I can't speak to the PC version. Which is probably the best version. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Uh, so so yeah. Back to Rainbow Six Three on Xbox. So yeah, you could tell your guys what to do. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, uh, advance. It was quite a, quite streamlined as well. Quite easy because it was just that little yeah. wheel. It was just the. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, we go like oh, what's, the, what's that term called? You know, do the we do the flashbang thing, you know, uh, breach and clear. Breach, that's it. Yeah, breach and clear. Yeah, breach <laughs> so, and clear. Yeah, I love that one. That was the best one. Was yeah, stack up. Remember, <laughs> you were like follow, <laughs> stop, stack up. I never breach did the voice commands. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Oh my god, it was so cheesy. Oh, it was even better when because you'd speak a little quieter, right? You know, just in case anybody heard you. Oh, I remember. Oh my god, I was fucking. Julie and I uh, hadn't even met yet, actually. Oh, who was I with? I think I was with my stoner girlfriend in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, my DJ girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember I remember playing the shit out of that. Oh, so good. But uh, anyway. Um, That's about to make a horrible joke. Otherwise, <laughs> not do <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Make the joke. <laughs> I was about to say, we're playing what the, the game or the girlfriend. But... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah breaching clear uh but uh anyway but uh and apparently this version is different than the pc version mostly because in the pc version you got to plan mission missions and control the characters yeah. very much sticking with well, i should point out like it's quick death here too yeah like, yeah it's always, it's, it's all have that yeah yeah they they die very oh and it's it's not breaching clear in this one it's open frag and clear mm. open flash and clear um but uh anyway uh oh apparently the voice command sucked maybe i that's that's why that's why i didn't use them i heard they were terrible Uh, (laughs) so so, um they obviously understand american though what 
they obviously the voice commands obviously were good with americans <laughs> yeah yeah right uh, uh also the other interesting thing was because of xbox live you could get on and yeah. download packs yes <laughs> which was cool too so um but i i remember not liking this game though uh really? like later on mm-hmm. i want to say it was mission I remember there's a mission where you were sneaking through like an underground tunnel or a sewer. Mm-hmm. Boy, did I fucking hate the game at that point. Um, was it just because it got a bit too frustrating? Or yeah, yeah. Um, and I wasn't ready for this type of game. Yeah, yeah. But I still own it, obviously. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe I should go back to it. It's um, it's an interesting one because this was the transition before sort of things really, really changed for this series and really kind of shooters in general, really. Because um, <sighs> this was the last of the. Because we have to mention, there's no regenerating health here. It's, it has kind of permadeath, really, isn't it? In these games. Where... Yeah, like if you would lose a, a team member in a mission, um, I thought they came back in the next mission, but you definitely didn't have many more. I think they did in this, in this one for the Xbox. They did. I think of the PC one, which was the hard, hardcore version. Fuck (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No getting that shit back. You weakling. Absolutely. I know, I know in the, um, the original rainbow six, if you lost somebody, you got, I think it was like something like a reserve was the, was the person that replaced. Yeah. We happen to have another ding here. Just hop in. Mm -hmm. Um, but oh no! In the original one, you know what they did? They just give you some of the people from the other six team members. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I I remember this got like rave reviews it's on crazy the Xbox. Re- yeah, it was the Xbox was the quintessential version to have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the first one I remember that cared that had a came. You could get a version of this packed in with the headset. Yes, yes. In fact, US, I thought but... all versions did. Holy shit, Jam. I'm looking in my copy. Oh, yeah? I have my two-month trial code still. <laughs> Is it still there? <laughs> oh, my God, and I haven't scratched it yet. I haven't scratched away the code. I wonder if it still works. That would be hilarious. Be... I'm just hoping I've got mine here. I think I might have mine, too, then. I know, I've got it, too. <laughs> oh, expires 3.31.04. Yeah, but... That's crazy. Uh, anyway. In the instruction manual. Yeah, I've got that as well. That's weird. We should also point out that even though it wasn't, um, even though it wasn't uh, high def, like it didn't do 720p or 1080i like, a, a, like some of the games could on the Xbox. I think it even predated the HD pack. Um, uh, this game looked great. Yeah. It, it, I think it still kind of looks pretty good today. Yeah, I bet it does. Is it backwards compatible? Oh, I don't know, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Probably. I mean, it's... A... Yeah, you know what? Stick it in the th- into your 360 and find out. I have an Xbox. I have an OG Xbox, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, but uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I do remember that game coming out. Um, but you know what happened when I originally... Uh, yeah, after I got this game... I didn't play it and I put it in a box and forgot I had it. Like after I had originally yeah. gotten it, I also should point out, like, I know this isn't a good thing to admit, but there was a lot of uh, drinking and a little bit of drug use in this time in my life. Um, so there's probably the some late, <laughs> well, yeah, this, there's probably some late night benders where I played this game and, and, and just don't <laughs> recall too much it. of it. <laughs> I might've even finished it. I don't know. This is like a thinking game. <laughs> Yeah, but like sometimes when you're in the the drinking zone, 
you can convince yourself that you know well, it didn't yeah. work very well for me when I used to game. Well, any any game work which involved fort and drinking was not a good mix. Okay, well that's that's probably for the best. I actually, actually, for fact. me, it was the, the game was Dawn of War. Yeah, the more hammer one. Oh <laughs> yeah, that, that never worked out. Uh, yeah, I don't recommend Dawn of War. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and it did get uh, downloadable content as we had said, uh, which was in the form of Black Arrow. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Athena Sword was the kind of sequel to the PC version. Mm-hmm. Um, but on consoles, uh, Black Arrow is basically... Um, let's see here. It had two new online game modes, Total Con- Conquest, Retrieval, and an offline mode called Lone Rush. Um and took care of some online play. But anyway, so yeah, it was just downloadable content, I think is why I bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had a, a sequel on consoles. I guess it came out on PC as well, which was uh, Rainbow Six Lockdown. And I have Lockdown as well. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got, got Lockdown. Ski mask yeah. on the cover. Yeah. Yeah, now this one was fully Red Storm Entertainment working by itself. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, do you remember? Did you play this one? Do you remember much about this game? I've I briefly played Lockdown a bit, a little bit. This is the one where I think you could change kind of roles a bit. You could be like a sniper um, or sort of take the lead, I believe, in this game. So you had a bit yeah, more. Yeah, that was the big things was yeah. that you would either be um, a sniper holding back mm-hmm. or you would be the point man. Yeah. And that was kind of the big point of it. And it was much more jump in and kill. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it did a lot of, um, uh, it did a lot of online modes, I think. I'm pretty sure this game was online. Maybe it wasn't. Look. Uh, yeah, it was online. It had, a, it yeah. had downloadable, yeah, downloadable content as well. Downloadable content, so. yeah. But it used a, a lot more gadgets. What I remember, this, this seemed a little more akin to an assault version of, um, uh, splinter cell to me mm-hmm. like i remember looking through walls and detecting there was a guy on the other end and then you just blast through and glack, 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 you know <laughs> stuff like that but um and this wasn't as well received people yeah i think it's like where it it, just straying away from what i think people... you didn't die as easily either i think yeah, you're you, more robust yeah yeah i think you could take quite a few hits yeah Piss people off. That I do remember. I can see, yeah, I can see the purists getting very irritated. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then this one I've never played. Tom Clancy's uh, Rainbow Six Critical Hour, mm-hmm. Xbox exclusive, two thousand and six. Nope. <laughs> played that one. Okay. Um, this was basically uh, first of all, it was not well received, um, probably because. Um, Oh, and you wouldn't have it because it never released uh, in Europe and the mm-hmm. PS2 port was removed. It only came out in North America. But what it was was it was a very short game that really went into... Um, it had multiplayer and stuff, but for the single player, it really went into um, the gameplay of the planning stages and everything from back in the first game. And it just seemed like the audience had shifted by that point. Mm. Um, and didn't really like it. So 
Um, and again, I mean, I guess there was an online shooting community on Xbox Live, but I was not part of it. So, anyway. And then we bring us to the end, which is Rainbow Six Vegas and Rainbow Six Vegas 2, which uh, let's, we'll pretty much just talk about Vegas real quick. So, Jam, did you play okay. Rainbow Six Vegas? Yes, I did. Okay. I loved this game. Yeah. This game was a great launch window game. Came out on the PS3 and 360 and the PSP mm-hmm. in t- December of two. <laughs> Don't play that version, though. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I'm curious. Um, and it had a it had a lot of stuff in it. Um, it had a campaign. I remember the campaign had the realistic difficulty, which I did beat the game on realistic difficulty, and I've got the achievements to prove it. Yeah. Um, had a really hard level where you're running through a sh- uh, a sewer with a shotgun, and you gotta take out baddies, and they're kind of getting the jump on you. Um, but I remember, yeah, you were running around, you had a campaign that was pretty long, had some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, did you play through the campaign? Yep. Yep. That's it. Mate, mom. Yep. You could be lazy and play it co-op and then it was really easy, honestly, cause I think you could re- revive each other. Yes, you could. Yeah. Um, but if you played it single player, you couldn't, there was no reviving. Um, of course. Your teammates <laughs> That's why he yeah. plays co-op. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I just remember I remember that tough part in the sewers. I remember that was your barrier to entry. If you could beat that sewers level realistic, you basically had the you know, and this was during a time where I was playing everything on veteran and all that mm-hmm. stuff with Call of Duty and stuff. Oh, but, cool. And the coolest thing I remember was there was like a stage show. And I remember being up in the rafters. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. For the stage show and then you sniped a core target and then it was you getting bombarded by people coming all over coming out all over the theater and you had to like take out the guys as as they they came for you i remember taking a long time with that and then of course there were tons of missions where you were fighting guys on in like casino warehouses where there were like slot machines going off and stuff um yeah i remember that whole thing was really cool you mm. could jump out windows and repel climb up and down um, and was then, of it, course, what? was it this game or the sequel where you could take a picture of your face with the Xbox camera at the time and put it in? It, it was in this one, I think. <laughs> one. Uh, let I me really look. I got the box here. So, Let's see here. Rainbow Six Vegas. Being quite Where creeped out that you could shoot, get you shoot yourself in the face. Yeah, I think th- I think it was the first one that allowed you to do that. Um, and I did it. Like I've got a mm-hmm. a version of my face, but. Uh, Anyway, um, but I, and I just remember with the multiplayer, yes, there was multiplayer, uh, which was very dynamic and a lot of fun because it was kind of first person, but then when you would take cover, it would be like third person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and then of course there was the terrorist hunt. So, um, Andy asked, should I get Vegas one and Vegas two on 360 back compat over siege? Absolutely, because mm-hmm. Billy O'Case is probably more content in those games. Also, I've got them, and I'm ready to play. Yep. So <laughs> we should get that together. Watch for Gaming History One One. We'll set up a Rainbow Six Vegas night. Uh, uh, probably start with one and then go to two, but they're like three bucks. But I don't know. It's about time they're to great wrap. Great games. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they they are fun co-op. So Andy, we can run through co-op. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Is and then there were of course downloadable content, more map packs, all that fun stuff. But um, I don't know. Um, 
is there anything you wanted to say about this game, Jam? Well, the, yeah, the other thing I was going to point out, really, is that um, Rainbow Six uh, Vegas did was... I, I really enjoyed it. I want to stretch that very importantly. I, I had a lot of fun with this game, but it did stray very far from the sort of the originals, where it was very much... Because this was a lot more fast-paced. There was regenerating health. It was... It was this was kind of... Um, Rainbow Six kind of going into different territory now, and it never kind of came back after this. It never went back to the the, the really slow pace and the yeah the plan. Yes, although in the first one you couldn't run, mm-hmm. there was no running, so it was still a little bit slower pace. But yeah, and Side One's asking, yes, if you buy Siege, you will get digital versions of one and two. Um, yes, or you could not spend sixty dollars and get them for like three bucks a piece. Yeah, that's but if you want like, Siege you again, we're not going to qualify Siege right now. But <laughs> yeah, Vegas one and two are very of their time. But I would still be playing them probably today from time to time because nothing else comes out. I wanted to tell the story of Patriots. We're not going to get to it, but um, maybe I'll do it for an extra credit. It'll be like five minutes long, but whatever. Um, but the community dried up on it. Like people just stopped playing that game because of Call of Duty hit and all that stuff. But I'm hoping that with these freebies and the backwards compat that maybe people will start coming together. And if nothing else, we can get a group going with us. So um, stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned for that. Maybe we'll go over to the Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash. Uh, um, I want to say we are GH101. I think we just check Gaming History 101. Yep. Not the, uh, no, he still. took over Gaming History 101. Oh, did he? <laughs> the our other friend. <laughs> no, but no. Uh, um, hold on, real quick. Let me see if this is it. No. Maybe. I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say but a lot of people like Andy's mentioning again. You can, if you, you don't have to buy Siege just to get the downloadable versions of Vegas, they are cheap everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I forget what our Facebook page is. I'm sorry, guys, but those of you who know it know it. Um, just search Gaming History 101. You'll you'll find it. There's one with a teenage kid that has a Zelda logo, and then there's mine uh, or ours. So look for that one. Um, but uh, you'll know pretty quick if it's us. You'll see a bunch of podcasts. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, those were really good special games. So um, so get the inferior console port and get the old 360 games that I already have. Not a good deal for me. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so all right. Well, then I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully, we'll have our guests and do our special show, but we'll have a backup. Remember, Tomb Raider Game Club this weekend, so get to wrapping that up if you haven't already, and uh, get started on Jade Empire. And uh, I just got, just before we finish, uh, I just want to say the I've got it up now. It just, it's just Gaming History One One, Fred. That's what it is. The pages. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's what I, I thought it was yeah. I must have gotten it. Son of a bitch. But anyway, I think that other Gaming History One One kid might be gone. Mm, I, don't, I don't see it here. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> he probably went to college. To oh, went to college. Yeah. And I don't, he'll, he'll I don't mean back to be pages. mean, but I think that may very well be what happened. So, we back to um, about Minecraft and you know, the, mm, what, what young people consider nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, he joined a, a network group and he has apparently joined Gamergate and he's been doing some gameplay videos, walkthroughs for the last couple of months of... Uh, Duke Nukem Forever. You being serious? <laughs> I wish I was kidding. Oh, right. I was gonna say. So yeah. Anyway, 
All right. Well, we got to go. So um, anyway, <laughs> we will talk to you well, guys that- later. See you <laughs> next week. Peace out.